Hey, welcome to Scattered Saints Podcast. We have another sermon this morning, and it's always a strange and exciting thing when you're introducing your own sermon. So I had the privilege of preaching uh, on the Essential Series, and today I'm preaching about grace. So uh, why don't you sit back and just take some notes, try to truly understand what God's grace did for you and how you can show that grace to others. Thanks for joining us on Scattered Saints Podcast. Hope you enjoy the sermon. Good morning. Welcome to church. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, my name's Seb or Sebastian, uh, and I'm one of the pastors here. I'm, I usually take care of worship. You've probably seen me uh, on worship for the last few weeks, but uh, it's my privilege uh, and honor to be able to come and preach today and to bring the word. Uh, I'm very excited about it. And so I'm continuing our series today called Essentials, and we're going to be looking at another essential belief um, of Christianity, what the Bible teaches us uh, every single day. So if you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Romans 3, verse 20, or 3, verse 23, and it says, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. Let's pray. God, I just thank you that uh, you're here with us today, God. I thank you that you have a word for us, that you want to speak to us. And God, I thank you that your grace is so vast and so big and so strong, God, that We probably won't even be able to understand a tiny bit of it in our lives. But God, I just pray that today you would help us understand a little bit more than we did uh, before this sermon, God. And I just pray that we would be able to extend that grace to others. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. So a few weeks ago, I had the honor and privilege of being at a friend's wedding. Uh, They were getting married and they asked me to do some music for it. And so I went out to the wedding and it was one of the first summers in a while that I haven't had like a whole bunch of weddings. Uh, sometimes weddings are great, but sometimes there's just too many in a summer. So I was, I was thankful that it was just one wedding this summer. Um, but I was at this wedding and, you know, you're sitting there, you're listening, you're enjoying it. You're just enjoying being a part of their ceremony, the beginning of their lives together. And, and they had decided to write their own vows. And so I was listening and the groom said, one of his vows that he'd written is, it went something around the lines of, I promise that anytime you ask me for a back rub, I'll give it to you. And I looked over at another guy who's been married for a few years and I was like, uh-oh, he's in trouble. Because anyone who's been married for any period of time knows that when you offer back rubs, you'll be taken up on that offer more than you had ever banked on. And so I was thinking about that. I was thinking about those vows. I was thinking about how when you first get married, you kind of say uh, some bold things. You make some bold promises. And, and I was thinking about my marriage with my wife. I've been married for about three and a half years now. And, um, and it's been an amazing time. But when you first are in your relationship, when you first get married, you're in the honeymoon phase. And so they're in the honeymoon phase. They're making these crazy vows. And I was thinking, oh man, I'm so happy I'm not in the honeymoon phase anymore. I'm not promising that I'm going to give back rubs all the time. But then I realized, you know, there's something beautiful about the honeymoon phase. There's something special when you're willing to make these big proclamations of your love for someone. And so 
I realized, man, I don't want to ever get out of the place where I want to make big promises for my wife. I always need to be in a place where I want to keep on pursuing my wife. I want to keep on being in the honeymoon phase, get back into the honeymoon phase. And, and, and when, I was, when I was studying scripture, when I was reading the Bible and I was thinking about, uh, I was thinking about grace and thinking about God, I was thinking, man, I wonder how many of us have left the honeymoon phase with God. How many of us have forgotten what it means to be saved when we first got saved? You know, one of the best things ever is to, to look at someone who just accepted Jesus into their heart and just watch their zeal and their passion, watch their excitement, watch their understanding of grace and God's love. Like we, we come to a place where it's like, man, there's so many things that I've done wrong. There's so many things that, that I've sinned, but God still accepts me and still loves me because of his grace. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking, man, I want to be back in that honeymoon phase with God as well. I don't want to ever take his grace for granted. I want his grace to transform my life. See, today I want to look at the transformational power of God's grace in our lives. There's a quote, uh, the Baker Encyclopedia defines grace as the dimension of divine activity that enables God to confront human indifference and rebellion with an inexhaustible capacity to forgive and to bless. That means that God in his goodness, he's so good, he's so holy, he's so outside of our understanding but he wanted to have a relationship with us. So he came and he gave us his grace that brings us closer to him. See, all have failed to meet God's standard. That, that Romans verse that I read at the start, all of us have failed to meet God's standard. All of us are separated from God. But because of God's goodness, he came and he made a way for us to be in relationship with him. And he made a way to be in relationship with him, not just so that we could be saved, but because he is so good, he wants us to experience his goodness. He wants that goodness to transform us. He wants that grace to transform us. And he doesn't just want it to transform us, but he wants us, he wants that grace to go through us and to be spoken and to be shown to other people in our lives. Titus 3, 7 says, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That means that when God accepted us, when God gave us his grace, he accepted us into his family. He gave us a seat at the table. That's crazy. That's a crazy thought. Like, imagine the nicest house you've ever been to. Imagine the nicest place you've ever been to. And the person who owns that house says, hey, now everything that I have is yours. That's what God did for us. But it's just so much bigger and greater than that. Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace, you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. See, I think very often we kind of approach our lives where we, we, we know that God's grace is free. We know that God's grace is a gift, but we still try to earn it. We still try to do the right things to be able to earn God's grace, but God's grace can't be earned. It's a free gift. You know, grace is this amazing thing. God comes and he, he gives us this free gift. But I think that very often in our lives, when we approach other people, when we have relationships with other people, it's a lot harder for us to give the same grace that God gave us. A few years ago, uh, I was, uh, not a few years ago, actually, half of my life ago, I guess I'm getting old. Um, when I was 16, I uh, was part of this thing called Porta Backyard, and we did this outreach in this community in Northeast Edmonton, and we were just kind of going to communities and doing face painting, all that stuff, and after one of these uh, one of these sessions where we did Porta Backyarda, 
we went to, uh, this is really aging me, we went to Blockbuster, and we were looking for a movie, and we were looking for uh, something that we could just hang out and watch after, and so I was going through, and me and my friends, we were just all like excited, and so we were kind of just being goofy, and this this employee came up to me, and he's like, hey, you need to calm down, and I'm like, I'm not doing anything, like I'm just having fun with my friends, like I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything crazy, and he just like keeps on, or I was actually a woman, she keeps on, you know, saying, you need to calm down, you need to calm down. And finally, the, the leader who was in charge of Porta Vacciata came up to this, this employee and said, I want to talk to your manager. And the lady said, I am the manager. And so we immediately left because it was like the most awkward situation ever. But I think often grace, we don't understand grace in the sense that sometimes we don't need to talk to the manager. Sometimes we just need to have grace for other people where they're at. It's very easy to always want to talk to the managers. It's very easy to live in a life where we, we, we have a Costco membership and we can return whatever we want. But in our day-to-day lives, in our relationships, we can't actually approach our relationships that way. We don't always get what we want. And you know what? Honestly, sometimes what we want isn't the best thing for us or for those around us. See, even though we want grace, we don't show it to others. Uh, last week I was in, uh, or two weeks ago, I guess I was in the Okanagan. Uh, we were driving out to Vernon and when you're driving through BC, there's all these passing lanes and it says like three kilometers, but it actually feels like three seconds. Um, and so when you're passing people, you, you get a really giver. And so I was driving and one of my biggest pet peeves is when you're driving on the highway and someone's in the left lane, the passing lane, the lane where you're supposed to go faster than everyone else. For those of us who don't know that. The left lane is for the passing. So you're supposed to pass people. And so I was, I, was, I was driving and there's people in front of me and they're going like, you know, the speed limit is 100 and they're going 103. And I'm like, guys, this is not the point of the passing lane. Like if you're going to get in the passing lane, you whip out, you pass and you get into the other lane. You don't just take your sweet time. And so I was driving, I was, I was in the Okanagan and I was in the passing lane and I was, I was probably going well over three kilometers over the speed limit. And... Uh, a guy comes behind me and he starts tailgating me. And I'm just like, what is this guy's deal? Like, I'm going probably 30 kilometers an hour over the speed limit. Like, chill out, dude. I don't need to be going 200 kilometers an hour. And so I, you know, I did, I did the very Christian thing and I tapped on my brakes to, to make him angry and had to repent for that later. Um, but he got, he got really angry and, and finally he was able to get out in front of me. And for some reason he was pointing at the roof of his car. Don't really know why. Um, and finally, he got, he got past me, and I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, you know, when I'm behind the person who's going 103 kilometers an hour, it probably feels exactly the same as that guy behind me when I was going 130 kilometers an hour. See, I had a measure of grace for myself that I wasn't willing to give to someone else. It's a lot easier to accept grace for ourselves, but God asks us to take the grace that he's given us and to allow it to transform our lives, to change our lives. See, the world doesn't extend grace. We live in a world right now where you see stuff on social media, you see stuff on the news, you see stuff everywhere that's just like the opposite of grace. People don't extend grace. They, they actually put shame on people and they, they condemn people and they, they make people, they put people in boxes. And, and I'm not talking about right wing or left wing or anything. I'm talking about all wings. Everyone does it. Everyone forgets to extend grace. Grace is not a popular thing because grace honestly goes against our natural tendencies as humans. 
as humans, we always want to put ourselves first. We don't want to put others first. We want to, we don't want to be slow to offense. You know, I want, I want what I want right now. I don't want to be quick to forgive. And that's what the world does. That's what the world says. But what God says is, hey, I have a different plan for you. I have a different purpose for you. I want you to walk out in my grace. See, God's grace is active and transformationally powerful. Ephesians 2.10 says, His grace should compel us to good works. He wants us to use His grace. Our works should be a reflection of the free grace that He's given us. See, God shows us that grace is meant to transform our daily lives. That His grace is so vast, so wide, so deep, so high, that we will never come to the end of it. His grace should transform us every single day into mature believers who pass His grace on to others. But what does that look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. If you have your Bible with you, head over to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 really uh, lays it out quite nicely. And it's actually talking about unity in the body. So spoiler alert, that's, my, uh, that's where I'm getting to, unity in the body. But uh, unity is believers, unity, um, unity together. So uh, Ephesians, 4, <laughs> Ephesians 4 verse 1 2 verse 3 says, Therefore I, a prisoner serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Wow, I'm going to read that again. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. That is an amazing roadmap to how to extend God's grace because God's grace is actually an act of power that allows us to put these other principles into into action. That allows us to put patience into action. It allows us to put uh, long-suffering into action. It allows us to put uh, humility into action. So I want to go through each one of these quickly and kind of go through what it looks like to extend God's grace. So humility, that's the first one. We put God first, we put others seconds, and we put ourselves third. That is so countercultural. That is so opposite of what everyone's telling us to do. Everyone says, you know, love yourself, be good to yourself, and then you can be good to others. But God says, no, I loved you first. I poured my grace upon you first. And so because of that, it should compel you to become humble. It should compel you to put others above yourselves. That means we have to push back against our pride. Sometimes I, I don't know if we actually know what pride looks like today. We think, oh, I'm not prideful. You know, I don't think I'm amazing at anything. But sometimes pride looks like thinking that you know the best thing at all times. Sometimes pride thinks like, uh, sometimes pride looks like you always having to have your way. Sometimes pride looks like dismissing other people's ideas because you just know what's best. You know, pride can take all kinds of forms, but God's grace comes in and says, hey, I want you to be humble. I want you to put others above yourself. Think more highly of others than you think of yourself. In fact, the Bible talks about Jesus coming to earth. And one of my favorite verses, it says that Jesus came from heaven to earth and he didn't think of himself as equal to God, but he made himself lowly. He made himself a human so that he could experience the same thing we experience. He humbled himself so that he could be raised with God with God. We, God asks us to humble ourselves, but we need his grace to do it because honestly, I can't do it. I can't just say, I'm going to be more humble. 
I need God's grace because I'm going to mess up. I'm going to stumble through it. But that's all God's asking us to do is to stumble into grace, to stumble through grace. And as we grow, as we become better, we will grow in that grace. James 4, 6 says, and he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know, and humility, there's, there's another side of it. Sometimes it's, it's, you know, having your opinion and thinking you know what's best. But there's a whole other side to humility that's, that's actually thinking too lowly of yourself. You know, if you think too lowly of yourself, you actually have pride issues because God has made you a specific perp- person with a specific pers- purpose. Wow. And he has a plan for you. But if you think too lowly of yourself, if you think that I'm not good enough for anything, that's a form of pride as well. You know, we can't think too high of ourselves and we can't think too low of ourselves. We just need to understand that God has made us. He's purposed us. He's put us in a body. He's put us with other believers to use our gifts and to be able to show our grace to those around us. And then you have gentleness slash meekness slash You know, you can call it a whole bunch of things. But gentleness uh, is another area that we need to grow in our grace for one another. See, uh, gentleness can actually be translated. The original Greek translation, there's there's other words that were used for it. and, And gentleness can be translated as a soothing medicine or a soft wind. The other day we were recording, uh, you know, a service, uh, an outdoor service, and it was, it was beautiful outside. It was actually one of the most beautiful days of the year. But let me tell you, if there wasn't a gentle wind, I probably would have died. I drank so many water bottles. I just, I couldn't do it without the gentle wind. But that is so important for us to understand what that gentleness looks like. You know, gentleness, people who are gentle are attractive. Um, most of us here know who Pastor Randy Thompson is. And I haven't, spent a whole huge amount of time with Pastor Randy. But I can tell you that the first time I met Pastor Randy, I knew he was a gentle man and I knew that he was approachable and that I could pretty much tell him everything. I just always thought, you know what? Pastor Randy is like a father figure for so many people because of his gentleness. Gentleness is attractive. And I think it's important for us to understand gentleness. You know, I was thinking about God and I was, you know, I was like, oh, like God's gentleness, like, yeah, whatever. Like, you never think about God's gentleness. But, but if, if God wasn't gentle, if God wasn't a gentleman, if he, if he wasn't like a soft wind, if he wasn't like a soothing ointment, he'd actually just come and he'd, he'd, he'd convict us of everything we've ever done all at once. And that would not be the best thing for us. In fact, God is so good that in his knowledge and his grace that he's able to work with us and through us for our whole lives. He sees all the problems right at the start. He sees the problems before we even know we have the problems. He sees the sin. He sees the brokenness. He sees what's going to happen in the future, what happened in the past. He sees all of it. But he doesn't come and convict us of something that's going to happen 20 years from now, or even something that's maybe there right now. He, he, he deals with us on an individual basis, one-on-one. He deals with our sin one at a time. And sometimes it's, it's more than one at a time, but he knows exactly the right rate to kind of approach us. But I wonder about us when we're, when we're approaching others, do we look at others and and think, man, I wish they were already better at all these things. I, you know, this person, he swears already, or, or he, you know, this person does this, this person does that. And it's like, 
you know, you might have had 10 years to get over this thing and you've given this person one month or maybe you've given them 10 years. It doesn't mean that they need to get to the same place. We need to, we need to approach our relationships and others with gentleness. God is a God who is gentle. He doesn't force himself upon us. He desires a relationship with us, but he never forces us to make a decision. He asks us and he guides us and he leads us like a good shepherd. The third area is patience and long-suffering. Now this one, I can tell you, I'm not the best at. Patience is one of those things that, you know, it's not easy for some of us. And if you think that you're patient, I would challenge you, just think about what kind of a driver you are. If you're a driver who has a significant amount of road rage, you are not patient. I'm sorry to break it to you today, but you might need to deal with patience. If you're just a super chill driver who never has road rage, please stay in the right lane because those of us who have patience problems might be in the left lanes and might get a little bit angry. But patience is so important when we're dealing with other people and when God deals with us. See, we need grace to help us be patient because patience is just not that simple. It's actually like, it, it's, it's, it, it takes a significant amount of time to be patient. That's the whole, the word is, it, it literally describes itself. It takes time to be patient. And some of us don't like that very much. But impatience causes frustration. I know for myself, the amount of times that I've been, you know, sitting in traffic or, or doing something else that I just wanted to be there already, or I wanted to, to finish already, or even when I'm writing the sermon, I'm impatient. I wanted to finish writing the sermon. I wanted to finish filming this sermon. But the only thing that impatience does is makes me angry. It makes me unable to see the positive things in the waiting. And so God asks us to be patient and he gives us a grace to be patient. And we need to step into that grace in order to be patient with other people. In Colossians, Paul writes that the believers, uh, not, even, not just in Colossians, but in Ephesians, it says believers need to make, um, make allowance for each other's faults. Like if, if you heard someone say that without reading it in the Bible, you'd think, is this person a heretic? We're making allowance now for people's faults, for people's sin? Well, Paul isn't saying, hey, tell them that it's okay that they're sinning. Tell them it's okay that they're, they're failing. No, he's not saying that. But what he's saying is, hey, if your brother or sister or, or you know, if someone who doesn't know Jesus is struggling with something, they're not under the moral standard that you're under. If someone doesn't know Jesus, they're under the standard of this world. There's nothing that you can do about it. You just need to love them, be patient with them, and keep on walking them with them through it. But if a brother or sister, if a believer is going through something and they're working on it, hey, we need to, we need to be patient. We need to make, we need to, as Ephesians 4 says, we need to make allowance for each other's faults. And then it says, because of your love. See, I think so often when we have the appearance of being patient, we're not actually doing it in love. We're just being patient because we have to be patient. But the whole time that we're being patient, we're actually getting bitter. We're getting frustrated. We're not happy with how things are going. And then, you know, maybe you're not saying anything to the person you're being patient with. But as soon as they're done and they're finally through the thing that, that you were being patient about, then you go and say, oh my goodness, I'm so frustrated. That, that took so long. Why did that have to take so long? Well, that's not being patient with love. That's not making 
allowance for people's faults in love. In love means that we are actually helping them out, that we're, we're praying for them, that we're allowing them to have room to be able to breathe, to be able to grow, to be able to move into what God has for them. See, patience with love is the key. You can't just, you can't just have patience. You need to have patience with love. I think so many of us and so many people, so many Christians in the world, they want something, you know, they want something from their church or they want something from their workplace or they want something from their family and it's not happening as fast as they want it to. And they keep on grinding through, but the whole time they grind through, they're just growing bitterness in their hearts. Man, we need grace. We need grace to wash away that bitterness. We need grace to be able to help us be patient, to be long-suffering, to make allowance for people's faults. And the last, the last point is that we need to be eager to maintain peace. Now, when I read this, I just thought, yes, peace. Okay, that's the key word is peace. Um, but actually, that's not true. The, the key word is that we need to be eager to maintain peace. And that means eager can be translated as we need to work to make peace. We need to actually take steps. We need to do something to be able to bring peace, to, to maintain peace. See, God came and he gave us his son and he gave us the Holy Spirit. And, and in fact, when you, when you first meet someone, especially a believer, there's a peace that's there. There's, there's, a, you know, there's a camaraderie that's there. No matter where you go in the world, if you meet someone who has a relationship with Jesus, it's just like, wow, like we get each other, right? But it, there's a whole other thing that when you're doing life with someone, when you're doing life with someone, when you're doing life with your family or with your church or with coworkers or with whoever it may be, there's a whole nother level of, of endurance that comes in there. There's a whole nother level of all of the, all of the struggles and, and the trials that might come through that relationship that you have to deal with. And so we need to be eager to maintain peace. We need to work to maintain peace. When, when someone gets married, uh, when I got married, Pastor Brett uh, did the, the ceremony. And, and one of the things you hear so often at a wedding is, Man, you have to work on your marriage. You have to work on staying in love. Like I was saying at the beginning, you have to work on being in that honeymoon phase. You have to work on understanding who that person is. And, and just when you think that you know them, they're going to change. And that's the same with relationships in our lives. We need to work to maintain peace. It's not as simple as just saying, yeah, I'm a peaceful person. It's going to be good. We actually have to actively work on building peace and unity. Working to keep the peace to give grace to others despite their struggles. You know, it's, it's very easy to be peaceful to someone who you really like. It's very easy to be peaceful to people who are doing exactly what you would do. It's not so easy to maintain peace, to work towards the peace with people that might see things differently than you. When I got married, my in-laws are completely different than my family. I don't understand them at all. And my wife might not understand my family at all. In fact, she didn't when she first came into a relationship. And, and you learn these things. But, but as you learn and as you grow, you learn, especially in a family, you have to maintain the peace. That's the only option. And so as a, as a church and as, as Christian believers, and not just the small C church, but the big C church, we need to maintain peace with one another. We need to work towards peace with one another. Hey, thanks for listening today. 
I hope you were able to draw something from that sermon about grace this morning. You know, we want to spread love and peace and truth to others, and we want to spread really who Jesus is. And so if you want to learn more about Jesus, head over to scatteredsaints.ca slash Jesus. You can learn about what his grace did for you and how it can transform your life. Thanks for joining us today on Scattered Saints Podcast. We'll see you next week.